the Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 496, Mr. Savage. Kentucky Downs, huzzah! Only one day left. One day over. left for Kentucky. One day left for Kentucky Downs. That'll be this Wednesday, September 13th. Uh, Del Mar officially over. Yesterday, the 10th, was the final day. and uh, It ended with the Del Mar Futurity. We'll talk about that race. Uh, the best two-year-old performance I think we've seen anywhere um, from anyone. Actually came on Saturday in the debutante. No offense to uh, uh, Galabrand, but Tamara. Oh, boy. She looked like her mama. She was loving that Del Mar track. Just absolutely beautiful. Didn't really ever get asked. And they went quick early there, too. Awesome effort there from her. Had a nice little exact in that one, too. We went 9-13. We talked about those two on the show as the two that could come from off the pace. And that 13 ran up for second nicely. Uh, it was a nice little 13-1 to exact. I was happy about that race. Uh, of the, the two seven furlong races this weekend, the Futurity and the Debutante, and then you look back at the, uh, the hopeful at Saratoga that we'll talk about briefly as well. Uh, she ran the fastest seven furlong time of anyone, and she was geared down seven length winner. And, and just you mentioned the daughter of Beholder. Oh, when, when they turned the corner and like you just saw Mike just shake the reins and she just started immediately extending. I got chills. I was like, yes, this is so cool. You love seeing it happen at Del Mar, too. I mean, where Beholder really got her marquee win in the Pacific Classic and, and the move she made in that race, just making Horses look like they stand still around the turn. So one of my favorite races to go back and watch because she was so dynamic in it. And you love to see her daughters doing well. Probably going to be your pretty heavy favorite here in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies now up in Santa Anita in just over a month here. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about her race and what we think about the, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies as well as the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And then also talk a little bit of Kentucky Downs because I think that at least the two Breeders' Cup prep races... They're worth talking about as far as the World Championships go. So, fun show. If you're in the comments section, we want to hear from you. Let's get into it, buddy. Right okay. up. Stop. Stop. Uh, real quick for everyone who's in the audience, we got free Samo Bombs up on the site. So, if you want to log in and go get the Samo Bombs, specifically for the late pick five here at Golden Gate, we've got a $36,000 carryover in the late pick five. Starts in race four. We're in race two, so plenty of time. Just log into your account on the website. Go to the dashboard, and the free picks will be there, including the late pick five ticket. Now you can do it, Magic. Right is up. What uh, what's this DraftKings drama before we get into it? Uh, they decided to put up a parlay uh, with all the New York teams today. Oh, the 9-11 thing. Yeah. Not good. Not not great. Anyway, uh, where are we going to first here? Delmar Debutant. Talk a little about Tamara. Yeah, let's talk about Tamara, winner of the grade one debutante at Delmar. I was surprised, and you mentioned it, it was a fast early pace. I was surprised that she was right on the hip of pushiness and then just like when when it was time to go, she just went. Like she went, took off, and like I said earlier, fastest of the seven furlong races for the two year olds right now. Yeah, she didn't break well in her first start. Broke a lot better here today. Was sitting right outside the lead. Dream uh, Dreamfire scratching out of this race was a key scratch. Took some of the pace out of the race. Probably meant that tomorrow's or Tamara, 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 Tamara. 
Tamara is what Tamara. we've been told. Yeah. Yeah, no E in there. Tamara uh, sat a lot closer to that pace today. It was uh, set by the eight-horse pushiness, so we kind of expected to be out front. Julia's dream doesn't break that well from the inside, so mm -hmm. she's not involved in the early scramble for the pace here. Uh, I mean, they went a little bit slower once you got into that middle part of the race. You can see that 25.27 internal split there, but still came home pretty quick in the 20, uh, 12.69. But again, this was a spot where she wasn't really asked. This was in hand as she was kind of galloping away from everybody. So there was a lot more left in the tank. You get the feeling she's going to like going longer too, just like her mama. Uh, so I have a feeling two turns, no problem here for this horse. I actually thought Laurent ran a really good race running into second here. I realized got beat by six and three quarters lengths, but was breaking from the 12 post was all the way out there, had a wide trip in the, at, at the, around the far turn. It was four wide there. Uh, was shuffled back a little bit. It was a little further back than I expected. I think two turns also a positive there. So I'm interested in the top two coming out of this one. Uh, mostly Tamara for me. Uh, I Laurent, I think she's got room to grow. I thought, you know, the, a better break this time was a, at least nice to see from her. Um, I just, I'm worried that she's too far back. So we'll see what happens if she goes to two turns because I think that'll be what really kind of determines it. But she's by practical joke, right? So that's a little... Uh, a little iffy, not impossible. We saw that from practical move, but um, I Tamara for me, this is the clubhouse leader for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, and that's no offense to Brightwork, who's four for four, including three stakes wins, including the spinaway. So uh, she's a uh, she's done nothing wrong, Brightwork, but I think Tamara has shown that uh, this ceiling is like way up there. We don't know exactly how high, but we just know it's way up there. <laughs> To me, that's the key there. Brightwork had to really work to win the spin away. It was facing a pretty good horse and wager the means and, and just not. It was able to put her away on the front end of it. Tamara here to me, though, like you said, the, 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 we haven't even scraped the bottom of the barrel of talent here yet. We're still sitting in the middle of it. And two turns going to be a positive for her as she tries to stretch out and go for longer. Uh, a draw obviously matters in that race. You're going to have a bunch of horses in it. You want to get good position. But the tactical speed she showed over the weekend, I think is a huge positive for her because she's not going to be way out of it. She's going to be able to sit close to the pace. We know she can pass horses. She did it in her debut. She was sitting second in this spot. Uh, to me, this is just a, a Philly with a ton of talent. And again, you look through kind of, you look through the, the, uh, the, uh, what is this? What are the, the chart here as well? We always talk about, look where the first place finisher was third place finisher was. So pushiness who was in the lead early ends up running seventh cheeky girl who was sitting third, ends up uh ends up running all the way out there into in last place so you could kind of see that you wanted to be maybe a little bit more off the pace here and that still was tamara who was on the pace able to get the job done so impressive uh very excited to see what she can do at two turns out of beholder daughter of both dioro so shouldn't be any issue with that i know that her uh um older sister was a, a great turf sprinter but uh, this one, I think, is just screaming uh, dirt in two turns. So great to see from her. Uh, great to see Richard Mandela, nice guy, having a uh, good horse. One day uh, later on Sunday, race 10, of the future the feature race was the grade one Del Mar Futurity. And here you had uh, Prince of Monaco, the one to nine favorite. I mean, you know, five cents on the dollar here. You really can't get much cheaper than what this horse was. Uh, not exactly how you want to see a one to nine win. Mike, uh, especially when it's a Baffert one to nine and it's a maiden that he's barely struggling to buy. What did you think about this? 
I don't think this was Prince of Monaco all out. Um, I think Miramati was all out on the inside, and Prince of Monaco was just kind of going through the motions on the outside. Uh, this is this is interesting, too, because Miramati, a horse that was wildly hyped early, never really reached that hype level, but I thought clearly ran the best race of his career in this spot, running second to Prince of Monaco, and dug in down the stretch, because once Prince of Monaco got by, you kind of felt like this was going to be a five, six-length win and never really able to get over that that three-quarters or full length on Miramati. I, I was impressed with the Miramati effort. I liked the early speed we saw from Miramati is here as well. I think if he stretches out, he becomes more dangerous if he can show that same speed and be able to go with it. But this felt like we didn't see everything from Prince of Monaco either. I, I Once Pratt got the lead, he didn't really ask. He didn't really push. I thought it was an impressive win, not a just like off the, like off the charts blowaway win like we saw last time against Muth. And then that, to me... It's another horse from Baffert that I'm interested in, ended up scratching out of uh, the hopeful, which we'll talk about here in a second. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not really sure what to do with this one, though, because outside of Prince of Monaco, there's not much in this race. And yeah, Prince of Monaco won. Yes, he was impressive in it. But we've seen Miramati get get punched in the mouth a couple times already. Um, so I, I, like this division to me is still wide open and we're going to talk about the hopeful like i said and that showed just how wide open this division could really be i would expect we're going to have three bafferts as the favorite when we go to the gate uh in at santa anita here in early november and prince of monaco probably going to be under even money in that race right now well yeah i think so the the one i thought that might take the most money and attention away from him if not Muth, would be Heartland. But I actually checked. Heartland hasn't worked in a bit. So I uh, hope that, you know, he can get back into training soon. But, um, you know, a super impressive debut winner. But he hasn't worked in a bit. So sounds like he might not make it for that race because you need to be in tip-top shape if you want to win that and then go to the Breeders' Cup. Um, I don't know who I like right now in the Juvenile. I think my, my pick for the Juvenile is still yet to be seen really i think you know we've got the iroquois coming up this weekend which is the first official derby prep uh of 2024 is this weekend that's just wow. always weird to me yeah um so we can see what happens in the iroquois uh but then you know we'll have the the breeders futurity we'll have the the uh the american pharaoh stakes we'll have the what is the one in, at aqueducts the aqueducts at champagne stakes yeah so yeah. we've got We've got, you know, plenty of time still. I think we haven't seen it here. Prince of Monaco, I don't want to see him at two turns. I think he's a good two-year-old, but for what you want to see from a Baffert, it's not here. There's something weird with his right front, too. I, could, it, I couldn't tell if it was paddling. It was hard to see from the, the head-on, but I don't know if you caught this, Mike. He's got a weird action to it, and it's not... He just... He doesn't look right when he's running. Yeah, I... I uh... I don't know, man. Like I, I, you watch his debut at Los Alamitos, and I didn't find that inspiring. Um, but man, that second race against Muth, that was very impressive. Especially again, I considered Muth better horse than him going into that race, and he blew the doors off him. Uh, I'm not sure if we're distance limited here or not. I mean, it's a Baffert, so I don't really want to say that we're distance limited because we've seen Bafferts consistently get it. Spitestown have a Magliadoro mare. I mean, the bottom has the distance. Spitestown, uh, generally more of a miler, right? So the top is is a little bit shorter. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, Baffert got it into mischief to go a mile and a quarter with no problem. We're thinking about authentic, so I'm not gonna hold uh, hold my breath here and see to say that he won't be able to get the distance. And again, this crop isn't very good right now. I, we just don't have any horses that you point to and you're like, that's a superstar. That's a horse that can run them off their feet. That's a horse that wants the mile and the sixteenth is gonna get better every single time we stretch out. Until we see one of those, it's hard for me to really get uh, get 
behind anyone to upset him. But I, I mean, I can't take Prince of Monaco under even money in the juvenile, though. I, I probably want a better price than that on somebody because, again, if it's a wide open field or if it's not that impressive and you still have the positive regression you can see from a lot of these horses because it is second, third, fourth start of their career, I think you got to try and take a price. Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, it's going to have to be a situation like uh, with Echo Zulu in the juvenile Phillies a couple of years ago when yeah. it's there's four or five horses in the race and one of them is clearly faster early than the others. It's like, all right, well, you're going to have to, you know, eat eat a lot of chalk on Prince of Monaco then. But that's, I think, for me, the only time I would do it. Um, I see people asking about Heartland. Uh, he His last work, he had a really nice five furlong work on August 26th. And then we haven't seen him since, but he was working up for the Del Mar Futurity. So, um, Austin, I don't know if you if you know anything about it, but that's I I haven't seen any official. I just know he's missed works. Um, we talked about horses that were not that excited about the Grade One Hopeful Stakes uh, a week ago. We missed this one because it happened on Labor Day, Saratoga's closing day. Their feature race seven furlongs for two year olds. And of course, just like we started the Saratoga meet, Gary Contessa with a gigantic bomb wins the feature race for two-year-olds, and he does it again here with Nutella Fella. I mean, good for Gary and good for Junior Alvarado, you know, nice people, but I mean, goodness, 26-second middle split there, 13 and a half seconds final furlong, like, you would have thought that they were running in molasses out there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Yo-Yo Candy finishes last. What a fluke that win was at 45-1 to 1, uh, during the Saratoga season as well. I believe that was a Saratoga special that he won. Uh, I, I got to give a shout-out to the DRF uh, clockers reports. Nutella fellow works over the track after winning at Delaware and got a B-plus clocker report, which was the highest with Timberlake in this race. Ends up winning, uh, coming from way off the pace. Look, we talk about stumble bunnies, man. These horses wanted to go six, not seven. And it was very apparent in that final time, almost 14 seconds for the final furlong. And Nutella fellow comes from last and just picks everybody up. Guess who ran, who's started second to last? It was Timberlake. I mean, so you kind of look at that there and you're like, hey, look at that. Last and second to last rally up. Yo-Yo Candy, by the way. Uh, sorry, third to last, ends up in last. Uh, if you look at the quarter pole, though, you have Nutella Fellow there in 10th. Pirate made a nice move from 8th. But you look at the leaders, they ended up running. Just Steele ends up running fourth to last. Yo-Yo Candy runs last in that spot. I mean, you had to be coming from off this pace because it absolutely collapsed after they went that sub-45 opening half mile. I'm not taking much out of this. The horse I want out of it is the horse I wanted into it, Timberlake. I thought that was the best horse in this field. Thought he ran pretty well here, considering uh, he was sitting mid-pack and only uh, only half or what was it, about two lengths off the lead there, going the 44.89. Uh, so uh, to me, it's Timberlake out of this race. I think the Nutella fella was more of a setup than a actual talent thing here. Um, not a great race, though. A little disappointing. Gold Sweep, who had a monster number in debut, then ended up going and running uh, in that Saratoga special, lost to Yo-Yo Candy, but didn't break an ounce. Broke pretty well in this spot and uh, just kind of spun the wheels once we got into the, the stretch. You know, uh, I, I was disappointed in Pirate because I saw 10 to 1 on Pirate and I was like, this is, he was, uh, was double-digit odds the whole time and I was very excited about this horse, a son of Omaha Beach, first crop. They've been uh, Omaha Beach producing winners left, right, and center, including with him on debut. And it was all the rage when he broke his maiden. And then suddenly, you know, a month and a half goes by and everybody's forgotten. But I'm like, what? Nobody likes Pirate at this spot? So uh, I thought with the very wide trip that he had and uh, all things considered, I like him as well. So, you know, he and Timberlake and neck apart. So I would take those two horses moving forward. By the way, Pirate, also a half-brother to National Treasure who won the Preakness Stakes this year. So... 
a lot to like about those two. BU, I think, was disappointing. You see, he was uh, a, a nickel under three dollars. <laughs> the maiden was a nickel under three to one second choice in this spot. Which kind of I think tells you about this field too. But um, you would think with his breeding that he would stretch out better. I read choosing this horse over pirate again. You would think he would do better stretching out, but he wasn't anywhere close really. I know he had to step on the brakes at one point. Do you like BU as well? Not really. I mean, there was hype going into this one. You talked about Maiden going here into the hopeful here. We have seen a Maiden, obviously, famously win uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile with good magic, your boy. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it is possible. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I mean, I, I don't think that effort was good enough to kind of take a, a big time step forward out of it. I think long term, BU is a talented horse. Um, not sure. Look, if this if, if we're looking at this field. If anyone was really that talented, they would have won the race, I think is probably the biggest takeaway. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to be like, well, the fourth place finisher has a good shot of taking a step forward in a bad race because this is a bad race. So I, to me, like I, I can make excuses for Timberlake. I can make excuses for Pirate. Ah, I, I don't really love anybody out of here, though. Yeah. What about uh, Chris Mello brings up fierceness, fierceness, the Todd Pletcher debut winner at Saratoga by about a yeah, pole and a half. Awesome in the mud on a dry track we'll see what he can do but uh i would think they're pointing right to the champagne with him so uh yeah there you go those are thoughts on the on the juvenile uh we're both we're still holding out for a hero in this situation <laughs> speaking of the breeders cup mike uh kentucky downs had two breeders cup winning your in prep races over the weekend get smoking goes gate to wire in the kentucky turf cup which uh, $1.7 million purse, mile and a half race, and a huge field. So a great betting opportunity. I had liked him in here. I thought he's sneaky as a price to do exactly what he did. Uh, talk to me, I guess, about the race, but also for the Breeders' Cup. He could have serious implications on the race itself, even if he doesn't win it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it installs a little bit more pace, which I think is good for some of the horses that are going to want to be coming from Europe and want to come from off it. I, I don't necessarily love horses uh, up, up front in those type of Breeders' Cup races when you have the Europeans coming in. I thought Get Smoking ran really well. I thought it was a great rise by Fernando de la Cruz here. Uh, he mm -hmm. went 24 in the opening quarter, but if you see what he did there in the middle two quarters, slows it down, goes almost 26 seconds, then goes 24 and a half seconds there, and then picks up that pace in the third quarter to reestablish a lead. Speed's been very good at Kentucky Downs as the, as we haven't seen much rain go through there. And as that course has firmed up, speed has gotten better and better. I think Get Smoking took advantage of that. I think Fernando de la Cruz took advantage of that. I was kind of surprised he was able to hold everybody off here. Um, I think we need to quit Verstappen and Satine here at this point because both of them had every chance to get by and got amazing trips in this race and just weren't able to do it. I, but again, this is one of those divisions we talked about you got to be playing prices here because there is just not that much between the best horse in America going long on turf and the 20th best horse in America going long on turf. And so you got to be looking for prices in here. If you get smoking, a good look by you. If you like that one, it's a long shot because was able to go out there, get comfortable on the lead and, and never really got threatened. Yeah, he looked fantastic and very comfortable. Um, horses like Red Knight, you can't even feel for. I thought Tyler Gaffleone did this, a smart thing looking back on it with how slow that they were in the middle of the race. Instead of letting him try to come from last going that slow, is he put him in the mid-pack and kind of let the horse find his groove and was, you know, what a, a nose and a head away from second in this spot. So with a little bit more pace pressure, maybe he could get up there for the win. Uh, he's a hard-trying horse. Verstappen, Santine, 
Unless they're back at Churchill Downs, I think you got to pass on those two guys. Uh, but get smoking as far as the Breeders' Cup turf goes, and you'd assume that he will go. Uh, Shoney can handle the distance, but he makes things interesting from a pace perspective. Uh, any chance at all that he could win or even hit the board? Uh, because as far as we know, the Europeans don't have any speedsters, and American speed is faster than European speed. I mean, yeah, sure. There's a chance he could hit the board, but like you go back to like Ellis Park in the last race, me and Mr. C and Chellis both beat him. I mean, like to me, this was a very course aided win. So we'll have to see what that Santa Anita course looks like and how speed favoring it is on the turf speed. Usually very good on the turf at Santa Anita, better than at Del Mar. Uh, so I, I could see a world where he's able to hit the board, but ah, man, it's, it's going to be tough because the thing is, is if you let, some of these Europeans, let's say we go 114 and there's a European that, that's within three lengths. They got a little more kick than Spooky Channel, Santine and Red Knight, right? <laughs> like, they're going to be able to run you down in the stretch and get smoking for everything we've said when almost 26 seconds, the final quarter of a mile. If you go 26 seconds, you're getting run down. It's happening. And so he's going to have to be better on Breeders' Cup Day than he was today. And this track was favoring speed. I just was picturing a side-by-side -side video of of this race where it's get smoking and he's pulling away from Spooky Channel, and then the same shot of him coming off the turn to Santa Anita, and he's got that lead, and it's like Rebels Romance and Up to the Mark and Far Bridge, and they're all just like zoom right past him in that video. Uh, just inhales him. Get smoking. Yeah, yeah, just inhales him. Yeah, that, and that's the problem. Like, <clears throat> this is this is that wasn't a good idea. Uh, that's the problem. This is just not like, yeah, a great win, kind of a little bit of a, a false win here because you know you just never know. And the, the horses that were chasing him really looked like they were going up and down. They looked tired by the end of this race. Get smoking wasn't exactly galloping out like a spry young man here. He was getting tired too. It's just no one was really coming at him, and that's why he was able to hold everybody off here. Uh. Dr. Tang says, Irad Ortiz was not very Irad in this race. He rode Kaido Dan to a middle-of-the-pack start-to-finish, sixth-place finish. Uh, if Irad wins this race, Dr. Tang wins the King of Turf WWE belt. Ouch. That's well, going to be hard to get over. I mean, he ran seven, so it's not like it was close. <laughs> Sorry, Doc. Well, I thought you meant Doc, right? It wasn't close to winning. No, winning Doc was okay. close. No, the horse. The three, three tournament set, all at Kentucky Downs. Uh, he did very well in, in one of them and then was set up to do very well in the last one and <clears throat> got uh, got irated here, apparently. Well, Doc, if you had just done the right thing, which is play the 19-to-1 winner, gate-to-wire, then you could have yeah. won it. But Doc, just a... play the speed on the turf. That's that's a normal yeah. handicapping strategy, right? <laughs> Speaking of speed on turf, Gear Jockey almost went gate to wire a couple races earlier, which is another reason I like to get smoking in the turf cup. He wins the grade two turf sprint stakes the second time in three years. Uh, he got no respect on the tote. 23 to 1 is what he goes off as. And then you look back at his resume, and every race between this one and the last time that he won this race, it's been trash. So I understand why he was kind of <laughs> forgotten. By the way, if you're watching, the re or, uh, watching us on YouTube or, or Facebook here, uh, check out how close that photo was at the end. I knew Ooh. it was close, but goodness me, look at you got one timer there. You've got Bad Beat Brian living up to his name, uh, Olympic runner. They're all just in a giant mess right there, Mike. Yeah, I mean, you kind of buried the lead because when he won this was September 11, 2021, not 22, 21. And his buyers in his last two races were a crisp 64 and 59. 
Um, so to say that it was not like it, to, it he should have been 40 to one in this race. And I realize Kentucky Downs going to Kentucky down sometimes and horses who love this track run well at this track. Well, gear jockey loves the track and ran very well here. Uh, I feel really bad for bad beat Brian. I thought that was a phenomenal job at getting this horse on the lead. Uh, something that we have not seen from him really since a, a win at Kentucky downs, uh, last year, he was, that was the last time he was on the lead at the first call. He took them pretty much all the way he's on the inside there the four horse uh the one i was a little surprised one timer was as far back as he was in this spot he ends up being able to come up and close the one i'm disappointed in and i'm not going to be like overly uh upset about it cogburn had a great trip he really should have won this race if he had any kick now maybe he didn't like the track maybe it was just, mm-hmm. just wasn't right for him he's been great since he went to the turf so he he's one out of here that i'm going to give kind of a pass to uh but i mean I guess you just tipped the cap to Gear Jockey, who had not even sniffed a buyer close to the Kentucky Downs buyer in 2021 since, and hadn't before either, by the way, because his two career best buyers both now at Kentucky Downs. So first place prize, uh, $589,000 and change. We'll call it $600,000. We'll round it up. He's a six-year-old horse. He, there's nothing about him. He's intact. There's nothing about him that really makes you go, yeah, I want to breed to that horse. You see what Casa Creek can still do at age seven. I think you just let this horse run at the Breeders' Cup. Maybe one more. Maybe you send him overseas or something. One more race. And then just give him the spring and summer off and train up to Kentucky Downs and come back. Because that $600,000 purse that bought you several months at the farm right there to take care of the horse. <laughs> why isn't he running twice in the meet? Why aren't you running him like opening day, closing that, day? That's where I was going with it is run it like prep him to be able to run twice. Like save him up for this meet. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, Car Ramrod chiming in. Looks like Cogburn hated the track. Uh, Rob yeah. chiming in five and a half at Saratoga does not transfer six and a half. I agree with both of those. Uh, that's why I said I'm kind of giving Cogburn a pass here, especially with how good he's been since he got to the turf. Maybe one timer because with the breaking from the rail, he actually had to, to kind of turn right before doing that big wide swooping turn. Maybe that threw him off a little bit. Um, but great effort from all these horses. It was a fun, uh, a fun race to watch. Anybody at all in here interest you for the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, though? I mean, with the Breeders' Cup turf sprint at this point, you have to see the field before you can get excited about anyone with just how much variance we've seen in that race. And we had a monster Mm -hmm. winner in Caravel last year. Um, Honestly, like... I, I kind of like I like these Kentucky down horses and they're next out, but I, I I can't really get excited about anyone and say, yes, this is going to be a horse for me off of these races. Like I said, Cogburn, I think, is interesting. Shortening up, being able to go, uh, being able to run shorter at Santa Anita. I think that track is going to play more toward what he wants. I think one timer is one that's interesting there because he wants to be on that that style of track as well. Should be more forwardly placed. But I, I want to see the lineup. I want to see how much speed is signed on. Generally, we've just got an abundance of speed in that race, and you either see it hold or absolutely collapse. And so you kind of have to pace handicap before you can make a choice in that one. A uh, reminder, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint is the penultimate race of Breeders' Cup Saturday following the Classic because of TV. Like, <laughs> yeah, TV. Reminder that we get the football, Turf Sprint actually. and then College the Sprint. football is the reason. <laughs> it goes Classic and Turf. Classic turf sprint sprint. And the <laughs> little bit of ends in the two sprints, which is going to make that wild as well. Yeah, you got to get through that turf sprint. That's going to make it. Uh, it's a great yeah, place hold to on. take shots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the turf sprint, I was just because I was curious to see who's even uh, considered for it right now. 
Uh, Motorius for Phil D'Amato. Caravelle under consideration. Brad Sell for Archie Watson overseas. Uh, Make a yell from Japan. Must have uh, no, didn't win a Challenge Series race. Live in the Dream Breeders' Cup horse uh, from overseas. Beer Can Man, Jasper Crone. I know that name. Uh, Highfield Princess. She was here last year. Didn't do that mm-hmm. well as a three-year-old. Cogburn, who we just talked about. I think he has a chance to rebound. So yeah, it, it's not only do you need to see who comes over and see the field, but I need to see post positions for this race as well. This is. You got to know where's the speed? Is it all together? Is it all inside? It, it can get pretty nutty pretty quick there. It really can. And I, I, it's nice to see two Japanese horses on there too. It's going to be make make this Breeders' Cup even more interesting if we're having to handicap some of these Japanese horses coming over from Asia too. Ah, Michael Olson says Highfield Princess ran late trash this weekend, so maybe she's not coming. Maybe they just haven't updated it yet. Uh, Car Ramrod says Aloha West still gives me nightmares. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that that that. Whole breeders, yep. that late pick five sequence will give me nightmares for a long, 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 long time. Because if Malathat and I can't remember the donkey that couldn't get home in front of Low OS, was it Dr. Scheibel? Uh, yeah, Malathat, and I think it was Dr. Scheibel who lo- loses that race by a nose. If the two of them get home, I-, I I may be retired buying an island at this point. That's how much I would have had that pick five for, and it uh, it didn't happen. So here I am, yeah. Well, I would have been in the winner's circle photo if Dr. Shavlin had won. What I ran half the damn stretch like a jackass and then I had to walk back with my tail between my legs because he lost. One of the funnier Breeders' Cup moments is Magic sprinting down the grandstand to try and get to the winner's circle, just sprinting past all of these people. Knocking and, over the waiters and because we're in the, the section of Del Mar Grandstand where they have waiters. Uh, you were closing faster than Aloha West, and then you just got a better view of Dr. Scheibel getting picked off at the wire for all of your effort, and then you had to walk back and be all sweaty. Past all the waiters who were pissed off picking shit up that I had knocked over. Because Magic's not a small dude. Not saying like Magic's a fat guy. He's just a big guy. You know, he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and got broad shoulders. And when uh, yeah. when he gets moving, he's like a lead blocker. He's going to not take some people out on the way. <laughs> uh, if only I'd been able to put on some bulk, I would have been a great offensive tackle. Because I got the height, and I got the reach, I got the legs. But, there you go. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, a, maybe a nice little tight end. That, that You're like a good flex tight end there. No, that was, uh, not, that was a football <laughs> comment. Jesus. Unbelievable. Speaking of football, over at RacingDudes.com, uh, you can get best bets for all of the football picks uh, happening over the weekend. Uh, speaking of football, also, the Detroit Lions beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Did, do you do you want to know if I called Jared and left him a voicemail again? I hope you did. I did not this time. Oh, no. He probably wouldn't have been as upset because he wasn't at the game. And honestly, or his birthday. Like, it, it, yeah, or it was his birthday. It was also kind of a fluky loss. That's still one of my like top five Magic Mike moments when we're together and maybe a little bit tipsy in Santa Monica watching a football game that Jared's at and they lose in overtime to the Chargers. And then we call him up and leave a voicemail for him just to, you know, just to because we were him. we were recording. We we're like, let's see if we can get him live on air for uh, literally the game had just ended on a was it a missed kick? Uh, or did it- the. It was a two-point conversion in overtime. It was it was two-point conversion to go to overtime, and then the Chargers won in overtime, I believe. That's right. Something like, yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, he was not happy. He didn't speak to me for almost two weeks. Yeah, he, <laughs> he would. He didn't find it funny like we did. He wasn't as mad at me. He, but he he did not talk to you for two weeks. <laughs> well, I was one that made the. He knew who the. He knew who was driving that bus and who was just like strapped down in the back seat. Just a passenger. <laughs> 
Anyways, racingdudes.com, uh, we've got the best bets up there. Uh, you can check out Dude to Bet Sports with Papa Dude and Aaron. They covered all the NFL and college football games. Um, I saw a retweet from the Racing Dudes account about just how historically bad the New York Giants game was. So if you're a New oh. York Giants fan, I apologize. Mike, uh, tip of the cap because you predicted they were going to have a terrible season before it started. Yeah, nice. They're off to a off to a bad start. <laughs> good, good start to the under. It's already dropped a full game. It won't be that bad all season. That was a nightmare matchup for them on paper. It talks about having the Cowboys minus three on Beeson last night before the game kicked off. To me, that was a beautiful spot for the Cowboys. A really bad spot for the Giants. You can't have a bad offensive line against Dallas. You're going to get run over on the defensive side of the ball. And once that game got out of hand, and you add in the rain, they pulled Waller out of it because they didn't want him to get hurt. I, it was it was just a, a no win situation for that Giants team. There'll be better days. Uh, yesterday was not one of them. You know what this look reminds me of, though? Like, this reminds me of the absolute butt whooping I gave Aaron in fantasy football. Beat him by 40 points this weekend. So, got to at least mention that. That, that we, uh, I'm not going to talk about what his team name is, but uh, we definitely gave it to him over the weekend. You want to find out his team name, tune into Blinkers Off, and uh, you can ask them and find that out live. I'm guessing it's something fun. It might uh, not be not, super not appropriate. SC, SEC appropriate. <laughs> there we go. All right. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, but you can check out uh, Aaron's latest rankings of the top five horses for every division. And now that Delmar and Saratoga are over the two-year-old division, he's got the debut for that as well. Uh, go check out who he's got behind Tamara or who he has or where he has Tamara because she's actually not first. Uh, I was surprised about that. Where Prince of Monaco fits. Find that all out right there. Go to YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes. You can check out the video versions of those where he explains his top five three-year-olds and top five overall horses. And then the previews for the final Kentucky Downs races of the meet, the 2023 Juvenile Sprint Stakes and the uh, Untappable Stakes. That's what the other one was. I couldn't remember what it was. But go check those out over at the site. Of course, you can check out the Samo Bombs. The Samo Bombs had themselves a nice little weekend, Mike. Yeah, been a, been good two weekends. Hit a hit for eighty six hundred dollars at Saratoga on the Sunday closing weekend, and then followed it up with a forty three hundred dollar pick five from uh, from Kentucky Downs on Sunday. So nice little thirteen thousand dollars in two weekends. Got to hopefully keep it rolling. Again, you got about thirty minutes to kick off the late pick five, which has a carryover at Golden Gate Fields. Those are up for free on the website. Just log in, check out your dashboard. You'll see free products and the Sama bombs with a late pick five ticket will be right there for you if you want to check that out. Um, it's it's been fun man it's nice when you cash a couple big big tickets and you're able to uh, able to get some money in uh, into people's accounts and it was fun especially the saratoga one if you didn't see the post my dad decided to tail my picks so he bets my picks from some certain days specifically when he's at saratoga he was at saratoga that day he cashed the late pick five for seventy three hundred dollars his biggest cash of his life and so i got some fun phone calls from my dad uh and he had a brick of five thousand hundred dollar bills he was very happy with himself coming home from the track got some texts from my mom uh just documenting exactly what he did when he won so it was fun to get all of that from him as well and his dad, he was involved in that cash that is incredible. I remember you saying that uh, that would just be so great to be like getting that call like from your dad. You're like, yep. Like it's, like, it's great when you like you've had customers, uh, countless customers hit big major scores, I'm sure. And like life changing scores. But like when it's someone like your dad that you can you have that personal relationship with, that's uh, that's awesome to hear. So congratulations. Pretty, pretty cool. He's, he had to go to three different windows at Saratoga because they didn't have enough cash. So he had to end up at the IRS window to be able to cash the ticket out. Which it was his like favorite part of this thing because he thinks he's like I'm a high roller. I can't go to the windows here. I got to go to this window. And so it was, it was entertaining to talk to him. <laughs> I would totally do that too. I'm glad he uh, got 
got to enjoy it. Uh, if you are, yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellebart. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight. Uh, make sure you're following him and checking him out on VEASAN every Saturday and Sunday, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific time, right? Yes, sir. Make sure get the time zone right. 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you can check out Mike hosting his show, talking about NFL and college football lines. So if you're into betting that, if you want to make a lot of money outside the world of horse racing, check out Mike on the VSIN network. Anything else you want to plug, buddy? 6 to 7 Pacific, both days, 9 to 10 Eastern. Really cool hours. On Saturday, we have the contest show. Uh, so Derek Stevens, the owner of Circus Sports, and Jeff uh, come on, and they, the two of them jump on um, and talk about the contest pick, pick specifically for the week. They talk about Circus Survivor, which got over $9 million in it. Already 21% of the pool out after week one. So we talk about who are the most picked teams there. And then on Sunday, we talk about the lines for the following week. Uh, we talk, One we talked about was San Francisco minus six and a half. Both Matt and I bet it on Sunday on the show. It's already minus eight now. So you're able to get closing line value big time. there. able to bet back the other side if you want to. So it's a great look ahead if you want to try and get better at betting NFL. A great way to do that is to bet it early. Uh, we rip through every single game from six to seven Pacific, nine to 10 Eastern on Sunday while the Sunday night football game is going on. Woo! Busy boy. Love it. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We appreciate it. If you haven't yet, like the video, subscribe to youtube.com slash racing dudes. And remember, racingdudes.com for free picks for every race, every track across the country, as well as the free summer bombs and the free premium products. They're all at racingdudes.com uh, until, let's see, it'll be Thursday. Oh, we got to figure this out. So here's our options. We yep. can do opening weekend of Backwaduct. Okay. Opening, opening weekend of Churchill. Okay. Or th three grade one Breeders' Cup prep races at Woodbine. I like Woodbine. Woodbine. Okay. Woodbine probably get the I wasn't trying to lead you to Woodbine. I just wanted you to have the I, facts. Well, I like the 20 cent denomination too, because it allows us to spread out a little bit more for kind of the ticket size yeah. that we're looking for. So I do enjoy that. You generally get bigger fields, bigger prices. However, that Churchill pick five will probably be pretty decent too. Um, we probably get more people to watch if we pick Churchill, but I kind of want to pick Woodbine. I pulled up Blood Horse just to get the uh, exact names of all of these stakes that are happening. And I see the news from the sale that's going on. There's a million dollar full brother to practical joke, a uh, million and a quarter into mischief, million and a half Uncle Mo. Million. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There There's just so much money flying. One. I think there was a $2.3 million one too. I might have missed that, but I, I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That's crazy. Anyways, join us on Thursday, September 14th. We're going to cover Woodbine's uh, Late Pick 5, which I assume will include the Grade 1 Natalma, the Grade 1 Woodbine Mile, and the Grade 1 Summer Stakes, our annual sojourn north of the border to Woodbine. So join us on Thursday. Love to have you then. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike, who played the under 44 and a half in Monday Night Football tonight. Good luck if you're playing that, and we'll see you Thursday. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.